this past week, I'm sure all the teenagers in this room, their biggest hero on the planet last week was the weatherman. Bailed them out of school for two or three days when they could have easily been there and gone there and done that. Uh, I looked out my window on Tuesday afternoon. I never make a call on the weather early. I always know that it could change every 15 minutes in this crazy state, but I'm looking out at a parking lot that was covered in ice, looking at sidewalks completely covered in ice, and like you, every 15 minutes we were listening to the weatherman, we were engaging, we're hearing it's never going to drop below 20, I'm thinking there's no way we can drive onto this campus and have church the next day. So I made an early call, never do it, I made it on Tuesday. 15 minutes after the email went out, the parking lot's completely thawed out. We're completely dry asphalt, and we could have easily had church, and nothing came in. And here's my point. We will keep listening to the weatherman, even though they get it wrong often, we will still listen to them as if it's the gospel. We will tune in every week, every day, especially if bad things are supposed to be rolling in, and we will believe every word they say. Why do they get more of our attention than the scriptures get? Why will we listen to those who miss the mark rather than the one who has given you complete and total truth? As we dig into the word today, I want to encourage you to give God that same passionate attention. To listen to his voice and his voice like no other voice. Because he gets the forecast right 100% of the time. And so we are in our State of the Church address. It's part two. I couldn't even finish last week. The things that God has been doing in our church, the things he is calling us to do in the days ahead. I'm challenging you to listen and to watch for ways that you can take your next steps. That's the title of this year's State of the Church, Next Steps Acts 1-8. We have an Acts 1-8 uh, strategy as a church that we look to, a compass that we find in Scripture not in our community, not in our culture, but in our Christ. He has told us who we are and what we're to be about. And so we're reflecting on that. We realize that we can no longer do church like we've always done church, that we live in a different day and a different time. Most of you are not real familiar with Mayberry and Andy Griffith and Barney Fife and all that. Moms and dads are, and we no longer live in Mayberry. We live in a lost culture just like any other nation in the world. And therefore, we must be just as engaged as they were when the church was birthed in Jerusalem. And then what we read about in the book of Acts, we must return to our roots and realize what God designed and return to that design. Everyone has next steps to take. And so I want to put up on the screen again, Four things that Josh encouraged us to pray about today. Josh is the one that helps us with our prayer emphasis. And I love these four things that we prayed about, I hope you prayed about, just a moment ago. And I hope these four things will be things we pray about not just today, but in the days to come. I hope you'll pray that God would give you next steps to take. He tells us in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, he will do that. If you will acknowledge him in every decision of your life, he will make your next steps straight into the center of his will. I hope that you're praying and saying, God, I'll go wherever you lead me to go. And I, I pray that you would open up new doors for us as a church, for me as a follower of Christ, that I would go where I've never gone before. I hope you'd be willing to pray like you've never prayed before. And then as we listen in on all these different things that we're reflecting on, I hope that maybe you'll serve like you've never served before. 
There are some people who are watching online, can't serve with us. They're either homebound or maybe they're even out of state. But you can be engaged in this mission as well. We'll talk about that at the end of this time together. But let's go back to our theme verse. Take a look, Acts 1-8 again, and be reminded of what God told the early church to be about. He said, when you enter into relationship with me, you will receive the Holy Spirit. And once you have the Holy Spirit, you will be my witnesses. He didn't say you'll be my churchgoers. He didn't say you'll be my peeps. And man, you'll just be a holy country club. He said, no, I've got a purpose for your lives. It is to take what I'm going to give you and take it to those who don't have what I've given you. And where are we to go? The Bible says we're to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So look at the map. We looked at this last week. This is what their world looked like. They were living in Jerusalem. Jerusalem down at the bottom in the peach area there called Judea. You'll see Jerusalem. Jerusalem was their capital city. It was where most of them were residing. It was certainly their holy city. And God said, you start in your own backyard. Before you go anywhere, you start where you live. Every one of us has a backyard. This church has a backyard. It's our neighborhood. That's our Jerusalem. Judea, as you look on this map, it was the region in which they lived. Uh, you remember there was a northern and a southern kingdom oftentimes in Israel because of all their sin of the past because of how Israel broke up into divided kingdoms and then you became regional and this was their region if you will their state or their nation Judea to the north you find Samaria Samaria was the badlands what we call the other side of the tracks it was the uh, what they called the half-breeds of the day the ones that had been left behind after captivities uh, many of the Israelites were taken out by their captors and there were some that were left behind and instead of being pure and true to their faith the seed of Abraham they married into the pagan cultures married unbelievers and they were considered the tainted DNA of Israel they were the scum of the scum they were rejected and nobody wanted to be unclean by being in touch with a Samaritan Jesus said you're supposed to go to everybody, not just your people, not just your backyard, not just those who look like you, talk like you, and, and, and enjoy what you enjoy, but to go to all people, including Samaritans. And then you're to take it to the ends of the earth. Well, we have taken that and we've kind of interpreted it within our day in which we live, where we live in this part of the world. And so if you look at the next slide, you got these GPS markers um, reminding us of where we're to take our next steps. If you look at Acts 1-8, the way we're interpreting that is clearly our Jerusalem, what we call Jerusalem, is not just our city. Oklahoma City is way too big for us to be the only church. But we can be a church in our city in our neighborhood, and that's our Jerusalem. Uh, our Judea is our city and state, a region. And then we find our nation is our Samaria, not because our nation is half-breeds or uh, the unclean, but that's just a bigger geographic region. Uh, and then outside of that, our world, the ends of the earth. So last week we looked at our Jerusalem for the most part. I want to take you back there. Before I do, let me show you how the early church, just a reminder, what we looked at last week, turn to Second Thessalonians, I'm sorry, First Thessalonians chapter 2. Go to First Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. They received this command from the Lord. It was the last words he spoke to his disciples before he would ascend to heaven. It was his last commissioning, if you will. 
Not only giving them the blessing of an eternal address, but also giving them an eternal purpose, just like he has you and me. And then as he ascended, they took that command and they lived it out. What did ministry look like over 2,000 years ago? Here's an indicator. Paul, reflecting on how they took the gospel outside of Jerusalem to Thessalonica. This was one group that was reached, an unreached people group. Paul and Silas and Timothy would go and take the gospel. And listen to what Paul said. He said, but we prove to be gentle among you. We studied that last week. We, the church in America, we've been more of a militant voice than we have been a gentle voice. We've been a shove Jesus down your throat people rather than introducing Jesus to the hearts of people. Paul, who was very bold, who was very aggressive and would be very confrontational with the gospel, didn't do it in a militant way. He did it in a gentle way. But not only did he do it in a gentle way, watch this, he said, we adopted you like a nursing mother who cares for her own children. Having such a fond affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel, now that's part of our calling, we're called to go and tell the gospel, we're called to share the gospel, we should always be sharing the good news, the message, but notice not only did they share the gospel, but what was the second thing they did? I think it's something the church has failed to do in recent decades. We've been faithful to try to push the gospel. We have proclaimed the gospel, but we haven't done what the early church did. Take a look at it. For we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. In other words, their strategy was to reach people with the good news of Christ, but to live it with them and among them. To embrace them like a mother who cares for a nursing child, not to abandon them, but to nurse and love them to maturity, to the truth. Paul said, not only did we share the gospel, but we shared our lives. And one of the convictions that I've got moving forward is, it's not enough just to know the gospel and share it with somebody. I need to be investing in other people's lives. I need to be sharing my life with lost life. I need to find ways of being with people who don't know the Jesus who saved me, not doing what they do, but being with them, sharing my life with my neighbors, with people who need Jesus. So as we take a look, they were not only sharing their faith, they were compassionate in sharing their faith, and they were sharing their lives with others. So I'm challenging you as your shepherd to find ways to take next steps, to do that in your Jerusalem, your Judea, your Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Last week, we looked at a lot of Jerusalem, our neighborhood, we talked about how our preschool ministry is doing that, children's ministry, student ministry, our adult ministry, even college and career ministry, our international ministry, how we're doing that through our wellness center next door. Now I want to revisit just very quickly uh, a new strategy we embraced a couple years ago called Community Bridges. There's a family that came to our church a few years ago that has been doing this with the International Mission Board used to be that we would commission missionaries. Some would go to Falls Creek. They would have a call to be a missionary. They would go to seminary, IMB, the International Mission Board would commission them. We would send them over to a country. They would uh, buy a hut and they'd live among the people and they'd take the gospel to the native people of that country. Well, today that we find that that strategy hasn't been the most successful. And so IMB builds bridges into new people groups and into new countries 
by sending people over with skills and through employment, bringing economic help to a community by offering jobs, uh, by bringing skills into maybe underdeveloped people groups. They're connecting a bridge through providing a physical economic benefit to that community. And through that, they're reaching people through employment, ministering to their new employees, their families, and the customers that they're blessing. It's a new strategy. Well, we took a look at America and found America is just as pagan and just as lost as any other nation on the planet. And that the church isn't sharing its life with the lost, and we've got to build bridges back into lost lives. And so we launched out an initiative called Community Bridges. One of the first businesses, if you will, ministries as business, was Community CrossFit. Our own Josh McClellan leads that. And we launched that over in the Annex. And some of our members from this church are part of it. And they're not only getting physically fit, but they're rubbing shoulders with people from our community now that are coming to that gym. I could tell you story after story of people. And now moms that are coming through our parent ministry are also able to participate, and we're finding more connections happening than ever before through our community CrossFit gym. If you want to know more about that, you can see Josh McClellan. We also did community construction. We did some projects with that. We've had to put that on hold for a season, but uh, we started and did some good projects there. That was good for last year. And then we had a vision to try to develop outside of the annex a community gathering space. It would be anchored by a snow cone stand and then outdoor activities. If any of you have been to Chicken Pickle, what they do indoors, we're trying to do similar things outdoors and give people in this area a place to recreate, a place that is safe to come and do things with other people, but then we can share our lives with them and hopefully reach them with the gospel. Here's a rendering of what might look like uh, outside the annex one day. We don't know when. This is an architect's rendering. You can see where we used to have the stage when we did outdoor church. What you see, what looks like tennis courts, those are pickleball courts, just like they have at Chicken Pickle, becoming the biggest cult in America is pickleballers, right? They're taking over the world. Well, it's a great little outdoor thing that can happen. It also provides a concrete space where we can set up for outdoor events, mini concerts, outdoor church, outdoor gatherings. So it's a multi-purpose space. Uh, that used to be, if you remember, that was where we had the sand volleyball pits, all right? That was uh, lake season for our neighborhood during rainy season. It became a lake. And other times, it was the cat's best dream. It was the biggest kitty litter box on the planet. And all the cats loved that space. Well, we're looking at renovating it, doing outdoor things. And you'll see down below, that's the roof of a snow cone shack. And then a Frisbee golf course could be out in the back, some other things that we could do on campus. That's a long-range plan, but another part of Community Bridges. Um, another ministry that we launched at the end of this year that is phenomenal is we've joined with our state to become a provider of services for new moms. In the state of Oklahoma, there is funding through our state legislature. It is pro-life legislation. We are trying to be a state that leads the way among all other states. And in every state, there are women's and health services that are provided by state-funded dollars. And usually that's shown up in the way of Planned Parenthood or anti-life organizations that support abortion, that support contraception, that support all these kinds of things. 
Well, in Oklahoma, we're a pro-life state, and you know what's been happening with the Supreme Court ruling and allowing us to at least choose to be a pro-life state. It's not enough to pray that God would bring life into this world, but we must be there to serve those lives that are brought into the world. And so this is our way as a church of providing services to moms who are pregnant or have a child under one year of age. Any mother, and we got a bunch of them in this space, who is pregnant or has a child under one year of age, you have state benefits that you're eligible for. It is not for poverty people. It is state resources like PPP money was for businesses during COVID. There are health dollars available for you and your family that bless your family budget that allow you to get good parenting education. And instead of getting that from unbelievers, you can now get it from faith-based groups in Oklahoma. We happen to be one of those service providers. We launched it in late November, learned how to do it among some of you in this very audience. And now in the month of January, we have launched it and we're starting to open it up more and more to the community. And already by word of mouth, we have countless moms who have started connecting through that ministry that we would have never, ever ministered to. Some of them have already gotten their children into our preschool program during the weekday. Others are starting to find spiritual connections. Some of them are finding their way over in the CrossFit gym and will get the gospel that way as well. But we can be a servant to many moms in our city. It is a powerful, powerful ministry. If you know of anyone who is pregnant, anyone who has a child under one year of age, it is unbelievable the financial benefits available to them because they live in the state of Oklahoma. We can help them get there. And we can also help them get to other entities like uh, Hope Pregnancy Center and others that we'll talk about in just a moment. All right? So be praying for that ministry. If you know anybody, point them here to the church and we will connect them with parent, uh, Community Bridges Parenting Services. Those are some things we do. This next year, though, this is something we can all do. The next one is our emphasis on prayer walking, connecting to our neighborhood. Anytime you go on a mission trip with PCBC, whether you go to Zambia or if you go to Honduras or Costa Rica or Burundi or some of the things I'll tell you about in a moment, we always begin that mission trip with prayer walking. From the time we walk out of our doors to Will Rogers Airport, we're prayer walking. We're praying every step of the way through every airport and connection we make all the way to that foreign soil. And once we land before we say a word, we pray around those cities. Prayer walking. Well, our city's as lost as any other city on this planet. Our nation is hurting just like any other nation on this. So why would we do that? And why would we know the impact that makes when we're on mission abroad and not do it in our own backyard? So in 2023, we're going to be launching a prayer walking ministry, and here's our mission field. Take a look. Here's Google Earth looking down on where God planted us as a church. Now, that may not look like our neighborhoods, but take a look at the next slide. You'll see a red dot. That's where we are today, right now. That's Putnam City Baptist Church. And all those little lines, I know it looks like a computer circuit board. Those are neighbors. Those are people that live around us. Take a look at that density. Look at that opportunity. And I would venture to guess that as high as 80% or more of those neighbors don't even know who we are. Have never connected. We've never connected to them. 
They drive by us, they live by us, but they've not been impacted by us. Because we're content to show up on Sunday morning and go back to our homes and our neighborhoods and forget about where God planted us. So this year, 2023, we will launch a prayer ministry, prayer walking, that I hope is every single day of the week. Now, I don't know how many people are going to participate. We're going to be recruiting captains. Uh, They'll be in charge of a day and a time. And you can come and you can join and you can walk a certain length, whatever you're capable of doing, more in this audience. You can't walk. Maybe you've got bad joints or you've got uh, limited time. You can prayer drive. You have a driver's license. And you keep your eyes open while you're driving and praying. And you can still make an influence looking around our neighborhood, getting to know our neighbors, looking at them, seeing them, connecting with them. It's a powerful, powerful ministry. I'm proud to announce we will not be doing that in the month of February. We will be doing that as it gets warmer. And we're going to be challenging you in the days ahead. And you can watch. Well, why would we do that? Let me give you two reasons. Number one, turn to Jeremiah. If you have your Bibles, go to Jeremiah chapter 29. Very quickly. We've got to catch up. Jeremiah 29 and verse 7. Israel has been taken captive. They're exiled from their homeland. They are planted in a foreign country with nothing but pagans. Well, guys, that's our country today. We're surrounded by more unbelief than there is belief. There are more unbelievers in America than there are believers. And Jeremiah, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tells them God's will for their life in their city where they were now living. And he says this, You are to seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you, where I've sent you into exile. And you are to pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will have welfare. A lot of people couldn't believe that God would allow them to be captive, that they lost their homeland. It was easy to have a pity party, and God says, no, you're going to have a prayer party. You're going to make a difference. Yes, you're under my discipline, and yes, you're in exile, but there is a purpose still. You still get to be my people in this earth, and you are to declare my glory, and the way you do it first is you are to pray. Pray for your city. Are we praying for our city? Are we praying for our part of our city? I'm glad that we're praying for Zambia and Dola, Zambia. I'm glad that we're praying for Costa Rica and Honduras. I'm glad that we're praying for these other areas of the world, but we better be praying for our own backyard. Jeremiah told his people, pray. Pray for their welfare. What does that word welfare mean? It's a dirty word in America. Welfare is some social poverty program for those who are down and out. This word welfare in the Hebrew literally means completeness or wholeness. God providing the whole person. You see, in this world... We aren't made whole. We're spiritually dead, we're mentally challenged, and we're physically at a deficit. So this concept was that God's people who've been made whole through Christ would take that to those who are missing pieces, who are missing completeness, physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, financially, economically, spiritually. And so as we prayer walk, we pray for God to bring down strongholds, 
We pray against the enemy who's come to kill, steal, and destroy. We pray and we discover our community and where they are hurting and where they need wholeness, and we are able to now step into that. But we'll never know it if we don't see it and we pray for it. So I'm going to encourage you in 2023, embrace this prayer ministry. Second reason I bring this to you is the example we have of our own John Neandico. In this picture, you'll see John praying over a part of our city. Habitat for Humanity started a brand new neighborhood. It was a new project several years ago at Britton and Council Road. In that affordable housing that they were making available for people who couldn't afford to get into their own house, uh, we find that that neighborhood is populated by lots of immigrants. Well, that's John's calling. He is our international pastor. He started a church called Unbound. We'll talk about it in a minute. And so he found out that that's where the internationals were living. He, for two years, he and his church have embraced it in prayer walking. Next picture, you'll see John uh, actually speaking to one of the neighbors. On one of the prayer walks, he's there taking prayer requests and talking to him. How can we be praying for you and your family? How can we pray for this neighborhood? These people are opening up to him. It also helped that they take turkeys during Thanksgiving. Over 100 turkeys were distributed. They take backpacks of food because that's a need. They've discovered the need, and they're stepping into it as they prayer walk through the neighborhood. Look at the next picture. You'll see in the background, you'll see a neighborhood block party that they had. You can see an inflatable. You can see a playground at the beginning of it. You can see some of the neighbors here with them. In the next slide, you see his volunteers who've been prayer walking. When they did this this last fall, after two years of prayer walking, they advertised they were going to do a block party for this little itty-bitty neighborhood. It's a simple little drive-through, you-drive neighborhood. Not a large community. You know how many people showed up for the block party? Over 200 neighbors engaged in that ministry. How'd they get that audience? They were gentle. They were compassionate. And they've shared their life with them. They didn't just show up for church, park in a parking lot, and head out. They've been investing in that neighborhood. They've been sharing their lives. And we need to do the same in our neighborhood today. Can I get an amen from the audience? Thank you, one person. Here we go. Let's move on to Judea. How do we move on? That's our Jerusalem. That's some things we'll be doing in 2023. Let me tell you what's happening in our city and our state. I'm going to go through these quickly uh, just to let you know these exist. And as you listen about these ministries, you may have a heartbeat that says, whoa, 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 I connect to that one. All right. For example, in our city and state, Howard Edmond helps lead out, and we do ministry in assisted living homes. All around this part of the city, we have multiple assisted home living, Baptist Retirement Village, Hefner Mansions, St. Mary's, I think, a couple of other places. And we provide not only visitation to the lonely and the homebound, but also we provide church services and Bible studies. It is a powerful ministry to those who used to be involved in churches or in their communities and now feel like they've been left behind. We minister to the hurting, the down and out. We continue to go to the Rescue Mission Center downtown. We also are strategic partners with Hope Pregnancy Center. Dan Walden is here. I saw him earlier. Where's Dan? There's Dan waving at us. Uh, he is leading a men's initiative at Hope Pregnancy. We need more men to step up and help men who many times are struggling, maybe even trying to talk a girlfriend or a wife into an abortion. And they need other men to come alongside of them and minister to them in this 
crisis time in their life. Dan is helping lead that and train, and some of our men are already there, and we need a lot more. We also need ladies to continue to volunteer at Hope Pregnancy. Hope is Alive is another ministry we have, we partner with, for addicts, recovering addicts. And then we actually have a host ministry or support ministry called Finding Hope. That's for family members of addicts. If you have a friend, a relative, or someone you're ministering to who is in addiction, you need to get in our Finding Hope group, and you need to know how to do that without enabling that person in their struggle. We have that ministry. And then Mike Bateman, one of our very own, who used to be the leader of Jesus House, the rescue mission downtown, has developed a new ministry called Jeremiah House. That's planted out in Chandler, Oklahoma. We support that as well, and that is the largest per capita county of addiction in Oklahoma just not too far outside of Oklahoma County we are supporting that as well uh, Hunter uh, our middle school pastor is taking a group to Lawton uh, we're doing a Lawton mission trip this summer if you'd like to know more about that you can see Hunter Stevens on that and then we also are ministering through John Nandico who I showed you earlier and it's called Unbound Church years ago John started visiting our church somebody invited him had met him out in the community he moved here from Burundi Burundi Africa is the poorest nation documented poorest nation on the planet John is from that native land he came here to the United States we helped him get an R1 visa this last year and then we commissioned him to start a church plant for African refugees in Oklahoma City did you know there was such a need I mean, when I grew up in Oklahoma, there were no other countries represented. It was just rednecks. Now there's every color of neck on the planet living right here in Oklahoma City. And I mean that from an international gospel perspective. Do you know that Oklahoma City is now the 20th largest city in our nation? That blows my brain. can't get my head around that. And what used to be Cowtown is now international town. John Neandico started Unbound Church. We financially support that. Our Rooted Ministry is over there right now this very morning helping do children's ministry for their church. John shared with me some things God has done in the last two years. They started with 20 people. Today they average well over 40 to 50 people every Sunday morning. Uh, seven different languages spoken in that church now. They baptized six people last year, and in January last month, they, get, they had three people who gave their life to Christ. They're ministering to all the different college campuses, especially those in Edmond, and have 16 college students that they are engaging with on a weekly basis. They provide a food ministry in the neighborhoods. They are also returning back to John's homeland, and you can be a part of that by going back to Burundi. If you're interested in that, you let us know and we'll connect you with Kent Wilkinson and Josh who are overseeing Burundi. They also have an online international ministry. They minister to people in the United States, Burundi, South Korea, Oman, Saudi Arabia, France, Germany, Zambia, and Kenya. And you, PCBC, have made that ministry possible. And you didn't even know the impact you're making around the world. Well, that's our Judea. Very quickly, our Samaria is real simple. In our Samaria, that would be our nation, we do two things. Disaster relief. Southern Baptists are the third largest disaster ministry uh, behind Red Cross and I think uh, United Way. 
I, I could be wrong there. But we're the third largest disaster relief. We send groups all the time whenever there's a disaster. You want to get in on that and your schedule allows, we'll help you connect through those ministries of disaster relief. Then Drew Finley, our associate pastor, has taken over New York City. We have two churches there, Connection Church and Hope Community Church. Late in July, I believe it is, this summer, he'll be taking a group uh, into New York City. If you want to know more about that, find Drew, and you can engage the whole world in one city called New York. And then we have the ends of the earth. Very quickly, let me tell you what exists through PCBC. Number one, our mainline campus is Zambia. Ed and Donna Edwards helped us connect there years and years ago, a school that was closing down. Uh, they could keep it alive. The Edwards felt called of God to start there. They brought it back home to our church, and we've embraced it as well. That school that was reaching just a handful of kids now ministers on a daily basis to over 400 students in Dola, Zambia. 400 students or more a day. Not only those students, but their families. Not only those families, but that whole neighborhood, that whole part of that city. And let me tell you about that part of the city. These people in this part of this city, in this part of the village, they didn't qualify to live in the slum of the city of Dola. They had to become a slum of the slum. The poorest of the poor. The most neglected of the neglected. Now today there's a huge school taking care of 400 children, giving them hope for their future physically. There's a school there that's providing meals, giving them nutrition they didn't have before every single day. There's now a church that's been planted on that campus. There is now a light spiritually. They're meeting the needs of that city, and that's happening because this church has embraced it, engaged it, and helped fund it. Zambia. We'll be going back there soon. You'll be hearing more about that. We also go to Uganda through the stones. We cannot go to Venezuela, but we have embraced Venezuela we support over 150 churches. It's probably up to 300 now. Financially, we send them money because we are not allowed into the country because of politics. We hope to go back there soon someday. This year, we'll be taking next steps of going to Burundi, that poor nation, uh, the poorest nation of nations that John Niandico's from. We'll be going to Costa Rica. Tim Stairs, who leads our international class. If you're interested in Costa Rica, you can find Tim Stairs. And then we'll be going to Honduras, uh, soon we'll be supporting missions. Josh McClellan's taking a small group. Brandon Fisher, who is the son of Valerie Fisher, our preschool minister. Uh, he and his wife, Brandon and his wife, have surrendered to be missionaries in Honduras, and we will be funding them and also be taking trips in the future. Whew, that's a lot. And everybody can't do all of that, nor should you. But you can find your next step. You can find a spot where you can serve your God in a powerful and real way. But all of us, what can all of us do? All of us can do what I preached about last year. All of us can be stewards of God's grace. Sometimes that stewardship means going on a mission trip. Sometimes that stewardship may mean prayer walking and investing in our neighborhood. It might be investing in an age group ministry or some way, finding a way to serve your God for your new life but all of us in the area of stewardship as we financially give of our tithes and our offerings it makes a difference all these ministries are able to exist because of your stewardship and I would tell you this morning there's no idea we have no idea how many people are going to be touched by the gospel today but I can tell you this because of technology and our ability to invest in that because of your stewardship 
I went back and I looked at our online statistics, and let me tell you who we've reached this year online. Let me tell you, we've reached people in Ireland, the Philippines, Singapore, Panama, United Kingdom, Nigeria, China. That's not our balloon in the sky. We just minister to people through online experience. Mexico, Siberia, Canada, Sweden, Israel, Vietnam, New Zealand, Portugal, Jamaica, Pakistan, United Arab Emirates, Brazil, Kenya, Bangladesh, India, Mozambique, Nepal, Antigua, Barbu. I know you got to get to lunch. Here we go. Indonesia, Cyprus, France, Poland, Russia, 115 islands in East Africa, Seychelles, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but that's this region outside of Africa, Germany, Trinidad, Tobago, Australia, Ukraine, Finland, Turkey, Netherlands, over 40 different nations. We couldn't do that if we weren't coming together and doing Acts 1-8. So what are you doing? What are you letting God do through you? Let's do it well in 2023. Would you pray with me with every head bowed and every eye closed? Are you being the steward of God's grace that he's called you to be? might be that you're here today and you said, you know what? We've been trying to figure out where we are supposed to serve. And maybe now when you see a church that cares about its city and its world, that maybe God is calling you to be a part and to invest your family or your life here at PCBC, then I'm going to encourage you to come. Maybe you're just overwhelmed and say, man, you're just doing a bunch of stuff, but I'm too busy. I don't have time to get engaged, but I'll throw a dime or a dollar in the plate. That's not living an Acts 1-8 life. We need to make time. We need to seek first the kingdom, the Bible says. Maybe that some of us need to repent and say, God, forgive me that I've been so busy in my world that I haven't been in your world. God, forgive me. Maybe you listened in. There's a ministry that is connected with your heart. Maybe you need to take one of those connection cards that's in the back of one of the chairs or what Drew drew you to in the QR code. And there's a box on there. You can say, hey, I want to know more about this. Put down that ministry. We'll, we'll have that ministry leader get in touch with you. But don't stay the same in 2023. Take a new step. Take a next step. What does that mean for you? For some, it might mean a next step down an aisle to one of our ministers to join the church or to engage your faith in Christ or to sign up for a new ministry. We'll meet you here at the front. Whatever it is, trust God and take the next step. Lord, Spirit of God, guide and direct. As we acknowledge you this morning, may you make our path straight into Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Lord, we'll be quick to give you the glory, for we ask it in Jesus' name.